0: Hello, and welcome to the Motivate Change podcast, inspiring heart disease survivors to live a longer, healthier life. I'm your host, Devin Brzezinski, a fellow heart disease survivor and occupational therapy student here to help you navigate a world of uncertainty after a cardiac event. Today's episode, I am so excited to welcome Dani. She is a veteran, a mother, cardiac arrest survivor, and recently nominated for the Okaloosa Walton County Woman of Impact for the AJ. She just radiates with positivity and is one of the strongest women I know. And I'm so grateful to call her my friend and heart sister. How's it going, Danny?
1: Good morning. I feel the same way about you. <laughs> you just like to lighten my life too. Um, yeah. I'm doing good. Though. Good morning. Thank you for um, inviting me to come and kind of share my story. Absolutely.
0: I mean, we've been volunteering with the American Heart Association now for a couple of years together, and we actually had the opportunity to finally meet in person, which is crazy because we were nominated for the Real Women class of 2021 with Go Red for Women. And it was during the pandemic. So we never had the opportunity to go in person and and meet one another. But last week you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what we did to kick off the so Month.
1: Yes. So last week, um, we were so, I, I don't want to say lucky, but we were invited to be a part of the 2023 class of real women's celebration and kickoff for heart month. We were invited to kind of come and crash their party in New York and mm-hmm. Go Red for Women flew all of the class of 21 and 22 up. And so all of these women that have been this like support network for each other for the past three years, we finally got to meet and hug and hang out. And it was it was so special. We got to watch great performances, meet other survivors, which was cool. It's not every day that you're not the odd person out because mm-hmm. it was it was just other young people living every day with heart things. It was it kind of fit in. It was nice,
0: yeah. It's interesting you say that because definitely growing up, I was like, no one else that I knew had a heart issues, and so this was a really special event because we we really felt united and connected to one another. And I remember talking to some of the other women, and I was like, I feel like. I know you, but this is the first time that we're actually meeting. And it's just like, so surreal. I think we had a conversation about it too. It's like, I love you so much. And you're my sister, but we've never actually met in the flesh.
1: (laughs) I don't get it either, but I know that I feel it. So I know it's, it's firsthand. I don't know how either. And I've never actually really had a bond like I have now.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get a little bit into your story. So take us take us back. Maybe, um, I don't know if you want to speak a little bit about your deployment and kind of how everything started. Where do you want to begin?
1: I feel like to get the full understanding of how I got sick, I always have to talk about the fact that I was in the military for six years mm-hmm. um, because my story involves the VA and sometimes you know people wonder how you got there. So I was in the military for six years. And in two thousand and twelve, I deployed. Um, with 7th Special Forces Group to Afghanistan for 10 or 11 months, I think 10 and a half. I deployed when my daughter was 14 months old, which was a little weird in itself because in 2011, Congress passed an act saying that women could be assigned to combat units. So I was the first female in the 7th Special Forces Group to be officially assigned. And two weeks later, I was on a plane. Wow. And- I know it was really exciting because at the time I was 23 years old and it felt cool. Like it felt like a sense of pride. And I I was like, Oh, it's so cool. I'm one of two females that are over here with all of these men doing the same things. And I guess I didn't really realize that that would come with, you know, real type deployment situations, which it did. Um, And that took a few years to come back from. Mm So I finally came home in 2012 and I spent about seven and a half years trying to deal with the PTSD and try to quit drinking and yeah, kind of,
0: yeah and how, I mean, I didn't know that your daughter was only like 13 months old. How is that like being away from her in such a short period of time? Like, or it was a long period of time that you were gone, but she was born for a short period.
1: It was, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I still remember when I left, they teach you how to kind of click out. It was hard too because they didn't have a lot of things for women. And so I was trying to go to the Mm. counseling groups that they had on, on base. They kicked me out because they said I made the men feel like they couldn't share because there wasn't things in place yet. I mean, what? I know this sounds crazy, but literally pulled me aside and he was like, I need you to, you know. We're going to have to find other places for you to go because it was hard. It was really hard getting into these situations, war type situations, and then being a new mom. Thank God her godmom stepped up because mm. she really helped me out the entire time I was gone. I didn't really have service. So I didn't get to like Skype. It, it was still Skype back then. Okay. And it, I was deployed in, yeah, 2000, 2011, 12. So it was hard. That was hard too. I mean, there was a lot of numbing that I did for a few yeah. years. Yeah. So.
0: I mean, well, I don't know if I've ever said this to you, but thank you for your service. Um, it's pretty badass what you did, and especially to be one of the first women to yeah. fight in active combat. Um, like, can you kind of pinpoint, um, was there a moment where you were like, no longer excited about the opportunity that you had, or?
1: Um, I think it was the first time that I lost a friend that I had just talked to 20 minutes prior. And he was 23 as well. And his wife was one of my workout friends. And it was so weird because it just got really real. And I realized that I was like so deep in it. That was it. And so there's a level of like, kind of clicking into where you're at and clicking out of what's at home and which is great for the moment but then when you come home you're stuck in that at least I did for me my experience I I didn't know how else to kind of deal with this so I started drinking and I dealt with that that is also important to bring up because it's also a part of my heart story so we're kind of kind of caught up now I was in the military deployed for a year it was really rough listen it was really great though I had amazing opportunities I got to work with the seal the navy seals they were counterparts with us Uh I was a female counterpart for the special forces guy. I mean I got to do really cool stuff with really cool people I mean great experiences so I don't want to take from that but I ended up getting out of the military when I came home because it was too much I mean I was gone and I would have continued being gone from my daughter and I made a choice. So I got out of the military in 2013. We're just, we're stumbling through life, whatever. I went to school. um, And then 2017, November brings us up to when I get heart sick. I went to the VA and told the doctor that I wasn't feeling well. I was having a hard time breathing I was coughing a lot. And what finally made me go to the doctor is I was putting my makeup on and I would have to take a nap after putting one wing on. I was like so tired. Wow. Right. So strange. Like it was exhausting for me just to put, I had to take a nap in between putting the right side of my face on to the left side. But so I go to the doctor and, um, she says she was really f- hyper-focused on the fact that I was drinking too much and wasn't taking care of my health. And So um, she said, well, you look good. I'm sure it's not pneumonia. You're young, you're fit, you know, just take care of your health and you'll probably be fine. She did it with chest x-ray, which she should have. Um, In hindsight, looking back, I wish I would have advocated for my own health a little bit and been like, no, it's not my drinking. I really can't breathe. Like there's something going on here. Um, So I had pneumonia. And it was untreated pneumonia because nobody knew it was pneumonia. And so I walked around for about two more weeks. And then I finally went septic septic December 12th, 2017. Okay. And I got lifeline from Florida where I'm at now to Birmingham, Alabama. And I woke up or I was in a 12 day coma and I woke up Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2017.
0: So when you went septic, let's go back for just a second. What were your symptoms?
1: Um, my jaw hurt really bad. It, like right here on your jaw to where your ear connects. Uh uh-huh. Um, that is like the most standout thing I noticed is that something came over me and said, go to the doctor now, but at this point I was so bloated But it was the pain in my job. When I tell you, I don't, it was like locking and almost like a spasm. And I guess that's when it must have hit my blood. But the pneumonia, as soon as it entered my bloodstream, um, the virus attacked my heart. And that's that was how I went into heart failure at 29. It was like a month, two months before my 30th birthday. That's how I went into heart failure. So I wasn't born with it. It wasn't from drinking, although I was dealing with that simultaneously. So it made it a little harder, but yeah. So I, I ended up waking up from my coma Christmas Eve, 2017 with 8% of my heart working. (laughs) 8% 8%. So they, and what is a
0: normal ejection fraction for, for most people?
1: 55 to
0: 70%. Holy moly.
1: I know I was at eight. They were like, don't breathe. Don't move. Don't blink. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, don't do anything. <laughs> yeah. They, it was hard. Cause I had to learn how to walk and talk and feed myself again. I guess the damage that happened. I mean, I had to get a blood transfusion. I slept for 12 days. The, there was a lot of trauma internally that was going on too. So there was a lot of relearning. That was a rough time. So then my heart's only at 8%. So I'm getting fitted for a life vest. Until I could get a defibrillator, until I could get a heart. That was the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's there's so much to this. Do you want to hear like all of it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Share as much as you want.
1: Okay. So I was here in this area now. I'm in the Destin, Florida area. And it is beautiful. It's the Emerald Coast, sandy beaches, beautiful waters. But there isn't like big medical hospitals here there isn't heart yep. transplant place here there isn't cardiologists here that are taking clients where I was so I ended up moving to Houston Texas and enrolling in their advanced heart failure clinics to start getting a heart transplant workout because at this point my heart was at 10% the life vest, Um, I mean it was beeping as a warning every two minutes it was bad I was jaundiced was- I do it's an external defibrillator that you wear at all times.
0: Okay. So if something, if your heart's not beating properly, yep. then it's going to essentially shock you.
1: Correct. It's okay. yep. It's an AED same as the ones that, um, scan you to see if it needs to deliver a shock. Basically yep. it was that, but it was all around your body. And I had to carry, it's about the size of a fanny pack, but it was a battery I carried it. And if something happened, it would Shock me. It was crazy. So quick, though. I didn't have to qualify for anything yet. It was my heart was so low in this life fest. They weren't even sure that was going to be enough. So, getting this defibrillator in was crucial. So, I got that a year. Well, let's see, November. And then I got this in June. So, six months later. Okay. So, I haven't.
0: And then during that like six month time period, you said like you needed to learn how to walk again. Again, like all of these things, right? So yes. I can imagine you had some experience with occupational therapy, with physical therapy.
1: Yes, um, I did. I they were so kind to initially. It started with like I was going to say a walker, but no, it started with even being able to put pressure on my feet. Yeah, and then putting pressure that hurt for a couple of days, I think. And then every so often, coming in, working my range of motion trying to get my feet back on the ground again, uh, getting the bands to try and strengthen my legs up again, because at this point, atrophy had set in. So my muscles and my legs, they, we had to build them up. God, when I tell you, it was so painful. But sometimes I think, and I know this sounds so corny, trust me, I hear it when I say it, but sometimes I really like go back to basic training and you weren't allowed to click. There was always like a drill sergeant right there screaming. So mm. you almost had to, I almost had to like kind of click back into that, you know, yeah. <laughs> just keep fighting because it hurt. You didn't want to walk. It's tiring. It was hard. It hurt. I was so tired. I had every excuse to, to make if I wanted to,
0: Uh huh.
1: but they kept telling me, if you don't do this, you know, it, it's, it's, it just gets worse the longer you go. So I worked with the physical therapy, um, occupation, all the th- learning how to walk and then learning how to feed myself And I couldn't bring my hand to my mouth for some reason. I don't know what happened there. Hmm. Um learning how to breathe, is that something?
0: Respiratory therapy would come in and help with that. Yeah. Because
1: mm-hmm. I was aspirating. I
0: and speech therapy too.
1: Yeah. I start, I talk different now than I did before. It was bad for a while. I had an even stronger lisp. Huh. I know I notice it. Others say they don't. I notice the way it feels when I talk now. Okay.
0: Know? Yeah.
1: Little things. I forgot about that. Yeah. I think it took like two or three days to even get me to the point of being on the walker. And they at first it started one lap in the cardiac ICU. Mm-hmm. And then Oh, she was always pushing me. It made me so mad. Cause didn't she know I was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know, I'm the sickest one here. I tried to play that card for a while.
0: Yes. Yes. But if you're in, I mean, if you're in the hospital, if you're in an inpatient setting, you're required to have three hours of therapy per day. Wow. So either one hour of OT, one of PT, one of speech, or like a combination of maybe you have two hours of PT. And yeah. So But I will say like any military that I've worked with, they are always so determined and very, very motivated. And like you said, you had like that drill sergeant in your head that you never wanted to give up. Like, Well, you couldn't,
1: like it wasn't an option. I mean, you had to get through this. And so you have to figure it out because you're getting through this. So figure it out. And yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's a mindset for sure. I'm thankful I had it because- And I'm thankful for her pushing me that extra lap each time. And I'm thankful they didn't listen to my excuses. I remember it frustrated me then, but now I'm like, man, what if it would have been left up to me? I mean, could have lost a whole whole range of skills, talking, Mm -hmm. moving, eating all of it.
0: Yeah. You never know. Mm -mm. And so how long did you stay in uh, the ICU for?
1: About another two and a half weeks. And then they okay. sent me home with the life vest and I don't, it, that, that was so weird. Cause they kind of sent me home and nobody really thought about the fact that where they were sending me to the nearest hospital was five hours for me in any direction. I have hospitals I near me, but none of not for what I needed. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I end up moving to Houston. I'm doing that. That was horrible because disability hadn't kicked in yet. And so I was like going through a heart transplant workup and like door dashing to try and make money to like feed myself. Uh Oh my gosh. (laughs) That like, that was a fun time. Um, I had two cardiac arrests in November, 2018 during the heart transplant workup. Um, I went jaundice during that time. I had C diff during that time. Let's see, that was a rough, that was a rough year for me. Um, and you're also
0: trying to, at this point, are you trying to stop drinking? Has that happened yet? Or are you still trying to just, when you got home, you're still trying to cope with all of that that's going on, right?
1: Yes. So now you're enrolled in advanced heart failure. And when you are going to receive an organ, they don't play, they don't care what you think or what you don't think there's certain requirements. And if you want to receive the organ, then you have to adhere to them. It's, and I get it because somebody gave their life for you. And so I was told many times, you know, like, if you're not going to take this serious, we're not going to take this serious. And so that was it though. They just said no drinking. But the thing is, is I was, I had like real life PTSD going on and real life, like flashbacks happening and real life dependency going on at this point so I couldn't ever make it past like 40 days and people think like, oh, you couldn't stop drinking to save your own life, but like, you don't get it. And then on top of that, I'm only 30. And so I was, wanted to go out with my friends still. And I forgot they could tell, cause I was getting blood taken probably six times a week. You go often mm-hmm. to monitor everything and make sure you're still compatible make sure you're not drinking. <laughs> I can always see in my, in my blood. So,
0: and did they offer any like Help no. to go to AA or like any type of substance facility. No.
1: My, my social workers, I had a care team that surrounded me, and they would just come in and keep telling me, "You have to quit drinking. You cannot drink. You're not going to get listed." Oh my gosh! And then they said you can't drug seek. I guess I I said I was having like anxiety, which I probably was. I mean, I was dying. No, oh my god, I was by yeah. myself dying. By the way, that I, I went through majority of this in the hospital alone. And that's another for another day, but so I probably did, but it was just a weird, and I'm not blaming anyone, but I actually just went back and got my degree in social work. And I hope to work in a hospital one day as a cardiac care team. Maybe if I see somebody like me one day, it's not as easy sometimes as just quit. I tried. I used to tell my, my social worker, I promise you, I'm trying, like, I don't know why I can't just not. So um, I actually ended up getting a letter from the United Organ Transplant Committee, official letterhead and everything, saying we're denying you for inability to refrain from alcohol. No heart at 31. No heart. I didn't really ever think they would tell me no. I was an eight-year-old daughter. I was like 30, 31. And they did. They told me no. They told me no heart transplant. And at this time, my ejection fraction was at 13 to 15. Okay.
0: So it increased a little bit. Yeah. but I mean, what was, what was your initial reaction when you got that letter? Like what was going through your head?
1: I didn't really think they would tell me. No, I, it was like the whole world just kind of like, like, kind of like once again, being back, like, Oh, this got really real, really quick you know, like, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what to do. I, it took me about another year to get, I think I took another year to feel bad for myself. And then finally I was like, I can't do this anymore. I ended up going to treatment, but I didn't just do to get sober. I did a dual diagnosis, trauma, trauma-based, uh, inpatient And so we talked about drinking a little bit, but it was more focused on why I was drinking. And I started learning about my behaviors and my trauma and how that trauma manifested and, you know, neurological things. And, um, I've been sober for three years. That was three years ago. And now, okay. So wait, hold on. So I go to treatment, I get out of treatment and I was like, you're not getting a heart transplant. Now my EF was at 19% now. So we're seeing minor improvement. And I still had this referral from Houston, uh, Methodist that they gave me and said, we're not going to give you a transplant, but here's a referral for cardiac rehab. You have your defibrillator. Here is a recipe book. Um, this is what you, here's prescriptions for your heart meds. It's on you now, sister. And they, they gave me the tools and kind of sent me on my way. Yeah. Um, and so I, I went and dug up that manila folder when I got out of treatment and I found the local area cardiac rehab center. I did it. I nice. I mm-hmm. It was the when best. you
0: took the initiative. You called them.
1: Yep. Well, because when I got out, I've had felt different. I, I, it was, it was really a beautiful process, kind of paying more attention t- to the disease itself, as opposed to like me as a bad person for drinking. It just kind of sh- changed my entire perspective. Absolutely. Um, and so I kind of felt empowered and I wanted to get better. And even that minor increase from 13 to 19 still meant there was improvement happening, but I was scared to do anything on mm-hmm. my own because I was so sick before And cardiac rehab was the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. I think it was what I needed. It was hard because I was the youngest person by like 50 years. I felt so I, I felt like something was wrong with me or poor Mm. me. Why did this happen to me? I'm very thankful. I don't feel like that anymore, but at the time, but I still, I kept going and I did the full eight weeks and every, every time they hooked me up, they gave me an iPad that I got to watch. They watched me on my, their computer screen. Um, they would increase or decrease my intensity, intensity, the duration of my workouts I just felt so, I don't know. I felt safe to try, which was nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's terrifying to not know like, what can I do? What can't I do? Yep. Um, am I going to hurt myself worse than what I'm already doing or is this going to help me progress? So or
1: it helped me identify feelings too. Like, no, that's, it's Okay. I had gone so long without feeling my heartbeat. And I mean that I just, it was Mm -hmm. so weak. I went years without feeling the bump. She had to remind me, that's an okay feeling. Your numbers are good. It's just your heart beating. You know, like (sighs) it it was like, whoa, I had forgotten. It It taught me a lot. I'm really glad that I decided to do cardiac rehab. It also empowered me a lot too because then it did show me what I was capable of. And it was way more than what I thought it was way more. I think I lost 40 pounds within the next nine months. Wow. Yep.
0: So what did you do? Um, I know you said that they gave you some recipe books. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you change your eating habits? Mm -hmm. Did you change like what lifestyle things?
1: So I got out of treatment February, 2020 COVID hit the next month. And Mm -hmm. so it was really important for me because that meant there was no AA meetings to go to. I was in Washington state. So the shutdown was for real, for real. Um, I say that because down here in Florida, I know there were certain things that didn't close down like it did up North, but yeah, yeah, it was up North. And so I, I, uh, learned how to cook. Hello fresh would send you out free recipes. And so I just kind of took their ideas from there And I started paying attention to sodium levels. And then I committed to 30 minutes of just walking. And I would go to this park because there was nothing else open. And I would walk for 30 minutes, maybe 35. I would still get tired. That was still pushing it for me. Mm -hmm. That was it. Cut my sodium out. I wasn't drinking alcohol. I was intentionally moving. I was keeping up with my cardiac rehab appointments. That had to have been a... I'm trying to think because everything was shut down, but I remember wearing a mask, but still doing cardiac rehab. So maybe that was an exception or something, but
0: yeah, maybe they didn't shut down fully or I know within our facility here, um, we still have to wear masks and you might've been like at least five feet from yeah, everybody that
1: was that's around. The what it was. Yeah. Cause the, I was trying to think the timeline and that was it though. So I just, Watched my eating. It was the most basic things. I took my medicine. I watched my fluid, watched my sodium, and I got 30 minutes of intentional movement. And that was three years ago. And now my ejection fraction is 40%. So 35% and under is like the danger zone. And I know for others, they're like, girl, you're still at 40%. But for me to come from eight, and they told me I wouldn't make it.
0: Yeah, that is a huge. Uh, difference in your numbers.
1: Mm -hmm. My cardiologist cried when he saw it this last time. He said he wanted to take the whole rest of the day off because he said you did it. Oh my gosh. I didn't do it. I just literally took my medicine, ate right. It's crazy. Who knew?
0: That's like, that's so heartwarming to hear, especially like your cardiologist crying because that really means that like you made a difference in his life and vice versa.
1: And a lot of this is like um, avoidable. This it's things that we have the our own power to like change 80%, they say from the American Heart Association. They're always reminding us, don't forget like 80% of this heart disease, the heart disease deaths can be prevented. And that's how, I mean, they give us the tools and I just used them. That's all, just mm-hmm. use the tools. <laughs>
0: you, you're so humble. You're like, I just used
1: the tools, you know, I didn't, I just, I followed it to a T because literally my life depended on it. I mean, people are like, this is great, but it, my life literally depended on me undoing what I had done. And like, now my daughter's eight and a half, like, I can't, I have a whole child and it was time to fight. It was time to work. So.
0: Mm -hmm. And you did it. You're still doing it.
1: They keep telling me, they keep giving me the infographs on take your medicine, show up to your appointments. <laughs> I just keep doing the things.
0: So with Zoe, like, do you feel like she's started to incorporate more healthy, like routines into her day? Like, how do you think that everything that's happened to you has affected her?
1: It has been beautiful to watch my child. I am so proud of her because there was a lot of trauma that came from all of that happening. And I feel like for a while, she might've felt like maybe a lot. I don't know. There was just a lot going on, but she, her and I, we decided to help with Heart Walk last year in our local community. And this little girl committed to jumping on board and was helping me make videos. She helped me, um, your CPR video. Yeah, do see thank you. Help me put together CPR videos. She started doing intentional movement with me. Um, and she ended up actually, you know, getting healthier too. And now she's mindful of it. It's been really cool because now it's just a part of how we do things. And once again, I mean, she still has her middle school. We're not, we're not too crazy with it, but she knows now we have to get out, you know, even if it's a beach walk. We have to be careful what we're taking in and being mindful of what we're putting out to,
0: um, I think that's fantastic.
1: It is the campaign's been great for my whole family. It's taught and she needs to know CPR too, because just like we saw with the Hamlin, I think they said, that's what saved him is that he got immediate, um, CPR. Yeah. And I'm her mom. I mean, if some, when I had my other two cardiac arrests, they were in the middle of the night. So chances are I'll be at my house. And as scary as that that'll be for my daughter, she needs to know CPR too. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation of anybody in my life.
0: Oh my gosh, I just got chills.
1: I know, and yes. it's been a hard talk to have, but it's our reality. I mean, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, we need to be as prepared as possible. Yeah, with CPR, you are ten times more likely to survive if you receive it.
1: Right. Oh my God. And I, it's, I know it's a weird place, but this is it. And she, she needs to know too. And she needs to get her friends excited. I actually helped place nine CPR Annie dolls in the local middle and high schools last year. We helped raise money for that. Just That's getting, amazing. yeah. Getting these kids hands on things because just like you said, it's
0: good. Majority of Cardiac arrest happen outside of the hospital, which means that it's going to be in your house. It's going to be in the community. It's yes, going to be in these the like
1: store, the school, the event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and you
0: just never know.
1: I was coming home from New York the other night from um, our event, kicking it off. And in the Atlanta airport, there was a hands on CPR only like kiosk with a mannequin in it. I think it is so cool. And I think we're on the right track. We just have to you know keep putting it out there and getting people talking about it and
0: yes and I, as like as sad as it was to see about Demar that's
1: what I was going to say i think
0: like there's so much there's a bigger push right now for everyone to get cpr certified i love that yeah. he's doing the 3 for heart challenge and even at the super bowl this weekend there the aj is having like a movement
1: break Oh, Did you hear about that? No, that is so amazing. Yeah,
0: And so I don't know what they have in store, but it should be it should be fun.
1: Good, I think so too. Nobody is more or less important, but I think the fact that he's using his platform and casting so much light on CPR, it, it's amazing. It's exactly what the community kind of needed because it is that important. Mm-hmm. Moms and sisters and friends and parents. I mean. We can do this.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> With your diet, um, I know you said you did HelloFresh, mm-hmm. but is there any other things that like you did to try to have healthy substitutions that were maybe? Because I feel like there's a big stigma, or at least a big health belief that healthy eating Pace is that. terrible. Yeah. So, how did you kind of combat that?
1: I. So that's where HelloFresh was way back. That just gave me an idea of what food tasted like. Then I started Mrs. Dash is good. Um, okay. She has good flavors. And then honestly, fresh. I know some people don't like cilantro, but fresh basil, fresh cilantro, jalapenos. Even if you cut out the seeds, those have a lot of flavor. Uh, peppers actually a lot of pep. You kind of just learn how to flavor with real seasonings as opposed to sauces and. Um, artificial seasonings.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm um, getting like fresh fruits and vegetables too.
1: Yeah. And they're super flavor. I, I enjoy my eating way more now. I can't even have my cheat days. People are Like, don't you want to eat out or, Oh, I hate your diet, but I wouldn't even, if I could cause my stomach hurts and you know, you get bloated and yeah. I, I know there's a stigma, but I actually came up with some recipes too, that, um, we my daughter and I are going to put into a book and maybe hand out to friends because for the last three years, black beans, turkeys with, um, onions and peppers, some moustache mm-hmm. and you can have a little bit of cheese. It's not a no sodium. It's just low sodium. You, I love that. We're still having our human experience and we still get to like do human things, but there's gotta be moderation at, at some point. And yeah. Yeah. So I think just learning how to cook with foods. I would love one day, maybe do like, come cook with Danny. I should do a show.
0: (laughs) Yes, you should. I would, I would watch.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, I love cooking now and then it, you just get to play with it and
0: dining with Danny.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Just encourage people to go out and start learning flavors and then combining, you know, you have your protein, do your lean meats, Cause there are meats that are higher in sodium than others. Yep. And you yep. just kind of play as long as you know, the flavors taste good. You can't really go wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. And you can kind of like, that's the joy of making it yourself is you can add in some, another seasoning, if it doesn't like taste quite right, or you can adjust as necessary. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep me posted when you actually uh, publish this book, because I would definitely be interested in reading it.
1: Well, we have, them um, now I've been, I've spent the last months working on all of it. I, I just don't know how to present it. Like how to, yes, I will let you know.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even if it's like a PDF, you just send me an email or like, I don't know how, because you'd have to go to a print shop and like get it formally okay. printed.
1: That's okay too. I just got to figure out how, cause I've been working on it and they taste good. I eat my 12 year old will eat my dinners <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, with them kids being picky eaters
1: yes yes so I've had to get creative too not just for myself but I am a whole mom over here of a middle schooler that can't stand anything I do so I have to like get creative with my food too and it passes the vibe check with her so I'm sure (laughs) I love that I mean the mental health part of it it was so hard because I had to meet these requirements but I, I just gosh I I just wish I would have known them what I know now, but it's okay. And maybe I can help other people find that it doesn't have to stay that way forever too.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you could give one or two pieces of advice to somebody that might be in similar shoes. What would that be?
1: Um,
0: something that yes, maybe, you know, now that like you wish you knew back then
1: that I, that it really is going to be intentional movement and your diet and taking your medications. It really is that simple. I think that would be the number one thing I would tell myself is it sounds like it's an ad or that doctors just say it, but that would probably be the one thing of my advice. Get over it, just do it. Take your medications, watch what you eat, you know, show for your, do the things that you need to do to get where you want to be in life. Do the things they tell you to do. And then I guess- it's so hard because I don't know. I'm trying to think back and it all comes back to lifestyle for me. Cause I had preventable heart disease. I it's, I didn't have congenital. I wasn't born with it. It didn't come. Wait, that's not true either though. Cause it was attacked by a virus. So I guess mine wasn't preventable. Yeah. That's true. Hmm.
0: I feel like your situation is unique. <laughs>
1: It is. Yeah. Cause I'm like, wait a second. Let me not take that for myself. I went septic with virus.
0: Yeah. And then that attacked your heart. So.
1: And then I kind of regroup. I don't know. All I know is once I started doing what they told me to do, everything mm-hmm. started getting better.
0: I mean, just knowing you now and how much like awesome advocacy that you do with the AHA Like your energy is contagious. Like, I just, I really admire how positive you are in every situation. And like, you are a go getter. You have such aspirations about you. Like, can you, can you tell me like how you kind of shifted your mindset? Because obviously, like, when you were going through everything, you were in a really tough place and then getting sober and going through that whole process, like, How, how are you so positive?
1: (laughs) People always ask that and it. I'm glad that it translates as positivity, but it's honestly just gratitude. I'm just so thankful now that I'm three years away from where I was. And I understand now how, like in how deep of water I really was, like, I'm just, I live every day, just so thankful and I'm not out of the woods yet. And so even more so, I'm just like, I have another day. And then I think it was once I saw how much I was able to do, it's so hard to come back from that. Some people call it motivated or go getter, but I see it as now I know what I can, I didn't even know I could do the things that I could do. Um, And that's why I advocate because I didn't, it it was just not knowing a lot of it. I just didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know I was eating so poorly. I thought even when I was eating healthy, I was, I wasn't, I didn't know how to deal and cope. And, you know, I've done therapy. I do meetings. I've done the, it just, all of it kind of together. And once you realize, I mean, it's just beautiful that we're even here and, I almost missed all of this. I'm just thankful, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized too, that nothing was happening to me, I think when I was in that place and I was sick and I was mad that I got misdiagnosed and had that not happened, I wouldn't be here. And then I couldn't even go back and sue because there's a two-year statute of limitations. But at two years in, I was still fighting. There was a lot of resentment there that I had to let go of and realize mm-hmm. nothing was happening to me. Maybe I could have gone to the got a second opinion, you know, I had to get past that. And I think once I did and started sharing my story, um it changed my perspective. I guess I realized how lucky I really am to be here. And if I want to feel better, there are things I can do to feel better. And I just yeah run with it. I just keep keep doing the things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. Well, it, what you just said kind of reminded me of, you know, you had mentioned when, um, you were first in the hospital, you felt very alone. And so how was this process and like recovering and how have you kind of found community
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and like, not, not really been feeling as alone.
1: See? And that goes into it too. Like, how are you positive? How would I not be? Because now I found my community. Um, I did share with you that I was, I felt super alone in the hospital. And like I said, that's for another day, but I, everybody, I don't know if it was the alcoholism. I don't know if it was people not knowing what to do, but everybody kind of dispersed and you need names for somebody that's willing to, take that responsibility after you have a transplant. And mm. like, nobody would, when I say alone, like at a dark place, it was so alone. And I, once again, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know there was other 35 year olds that had heart stuff. Cause when you see everything on TV or in hospitals, it's always older people. I didn't even know that there was a pregnancy side to heart. Just like, I had no idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Me neither.
1: (laughs) Nor did I know that there's people that were born with it that were living too. I mean, Mm -hmm. when I found that I wasn't really alone, I just was maybe, maybe that where I was looking, it was lonely, but when I found I wasn't really alone, wow, that was so nice. And if, what if we can just share that, if we can share that by, getting together with friends and sharing our survival stories and how we made it, or that I struggled with alcoholism as a mom, Mm -hmm. you know, and got denied a heart transplant. Like that's hard stuff to talk about, but I can't be the only one.
0: No, absolutely not. I would have loved
1: to have found someone like me. That's all I think of is remember that feeling you had in the hospital. It's it's, put, put your pride aside because nobody Nobody deserves that.
0: Yeah, like your whole world has been almost turned upside down and there's a lot of unknowns going into the future. And it's like, what is my life going to look like? Yeah. And no one else that I know is experiencing this. And so you like, like that's you're really
1: whining. And then you get frustrated because nobody knows the lingo. So they don't even know what you're talking about. And like yes, oh.
0: yes exactly.
1: Beautiful women like you and our other sisters. And even before, I mean, just the the American heart itself and the campaign for the women, it's transformed everything. I think just like you said, finding community, Mm -hmm. not alone. I'm not alone in my struggle. I think that was big.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that's really why I wanted to put this podcast together and talk about things that matter and creating that community because. Um, like you mentioned, when you were in cardiac rehab, you're like everyone else is older than me, and you're you're kind of like I don't know if this was your experience too, but patients come in and they're either on the treadmill or the new step or elliptical, whatever, and they're just doing their thing, and it's like you're in your own lane, right? You're not really interacting with other people, and then you leave, (laughs) and and it's just a it can be a kind of isolating experience. But to know that there's other people that are there that are there because of the same reason as you, and your stories are different, but it's still what's uniting us is heart disease. And so just <laughs> what would you say, I'm gonna make me cry? Oh, I mean, but that that is the reality of it, right? Like, um I don't know and. I think it would be a shame not to share our stories because it is so unique and so different for every single person. Um, but I think that we can learn a lot from one another.
1: And what do we have to lose? Like
0: Exactly. We're
1: just, uh, yeah, I, it's funny you say that too, that everybody was at cardiac rehab for the same reason. And all I could think is everybody was there fighting for their own lives. That's what it was. It was everybody just fighting for their own lives. Yeah. yeah. It's been a beautiful, I mean, it's, it's, it translates as positive, but for me, it's a feeling. I mean, I genuinely feel thankful and like, this is so cool and having the sense of community to me, this is just, I mean, this is great. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I, yeah, it's, I'm glad it's perceived as positivity, but I am just so blessed and so thankful.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I see you on Instagram every day right? and you like either pulling cards that are words of inspiration or just thoughts that are on your mind and really trying to motivate people to say like, Hey, like this is, we're going to have a great day today. These are the things that I'm going to get done. And it's almost like you hold yourself accountable for for certain things that you want to be able to accomplish too.
1: Oh, I no. It's really he's cool. <laughs> that is a lot of it. It's kind of me holding myself accountable by putting it out because yeah, then I have yeah. to follow through. Um. Yeah, I struggle with doing that because I get on every day for the past three years. Once again, it was because I felt alone. And what I learned was if you put it out there, your tribe, like your vibe attracts your tribe. So I was just trying to find community again. And that was three years ago. I mean, I just I got involved with the aha. I just was looking for friends, new friends. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a lot of it. And now, yeah, I would start with the cards. I was in school for the past three years, getting my bachelor's degree in social work. And so I didn't take on coaching and do jump full into kind of life coaching type stuff until recently, because I've graduated now. Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: Congratulations, started- by the way. Thank you. That's it's huge.
1: It is huge and it's in social work and it's a life of living in service to others. And I love it. And um, so now instead of doing other people's cards, I've kind of created my own material and courses and like little cute little socks that, you know, you can look down at to keep you motivated throughout the day because it says worth it. Like the whole brand is worth it because we're worth doing cardiac rehab. We're worth learning how to cook. So, our blood pressure isn't high so we're not having so much sodium in our day. We're worth saying I have a problem with alcohol and need treatment. We're worth healing, you know? It's so kind of created a brand around that and I'm going to start doing one-on-one coaching, mindset training mostly cuz a lot of this is mindset. You have to believe in yourself and you have to have a real understanding of self-care and self-love before you can sometimes take those steps that you need as well. So it's a journey and I have a lot of love and experience and maybe, maybe together we can, we can't stop heart disease, but maybe we can help people, you know, not get to the point, you know, where they're hospitalized or facing mm-hmm. heart transplants or even having to walk that road because it's hard and it's scary. And a lot of people don't make it back.
0: Yeah. 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 I completely agree. I, I love everything that you have going right now. I'm like excited for you. Um, it's and I can just see like this taking off, right? Like guys, the limit.
1: It's um, a lot of vulnerability. I think as, as long as I'm willing to continue to, you know, just lead authentically and remember, and remember. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think what you said about mental health aspect of it. It's such a huge piece of what we do every day because if we're not like, we're we're not feeling it like, okay, it's easy to go watch TV. It's easy to numb and to engage in behaviors that like maybe aren't the healthiest for us. Um, it's easy to get takeout. (laughs) Right. And so it's like making that conscious decision every single day to, to really put your health at the forefront of your mind
1: and learning a lot of that is your limbic system too. And you can push past all of that. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. you don't know what you don't know. And maybe together we can start helping people take that power back and take the control of their lives back.
0: Absolutely.
1: I'm proud of you too, for what you're doing. I am so excited. I've already like Told my friends and downloaded your your thing on Spotify.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> yes, number one fan.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. We have to keep lifting each other up.
1: Yes. I mean, yes. We are sisters. We're in this together. Yes. I'm also, oh, oh my gosh, I forgot. Just because it's in the middle of the time, I'm also um running for woman of impact. And I'm trying yes. to raise hundred thousand dollars in seven weeks.
0: Yes. Tell okay for people that don't know, what is a woman of impact? What's the time for it? Tell tell us all about it.
1: Um, The woman of impact was started during um, COVID, actually, because the Go Red for Women women couldn't get together, and so they needed another campaign. And women of impact kind of came in, which was great because it allowed women within communities to kind of get the spotlight. Little heart warriors within their own community and raise awareness to one in three women will die from heart disease. Um, that 80% of women that do die, die from heart disease, 80% of that those deaths could have been prevented with diet lifestyle. Um, so we're just kind of out here raising awareness, once again, to, to the same cause that we kind of have that control, but we have to get up and we have to get out. And it's a way to spotlight women around the country that are out here trying to make a difference. But since I did the Go Red for Women and that was a national campaign, I feel like I should push myself and try and do get the national woman of impact. Yeah. But I only have seven weeks since (laughs) seven weeks, that's it. I know. Yeah. So my link will be on on Facebook or you can direct message me. I have the website up, but it's not one I can say easily. So the link. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so go follow Danny on Facebook and she's going to post the link there. If you would like to donate to her campaign. Oh my gosh. I am so excited for everything that you're doing. The woman of impact campaign is a huge, huge honor. Um, and yeah, I mean, what's your, what's your financial goal? What do you want to be able to hit?
1: A hundred thousand,
0: a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars.
1: I would prefer to do 150, but oh, I'm going to say 100 because last year's winner was 120. But I'm just okay. scared. You should do 150.
0: <laughs> the national winner was 120.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: 150. Why not?
1: I know because I'm. I set know. that bar. I should. <laughs> it's a lot of money per day, but we can do it. Yeah.
0: In seven weeks. How much yeah. is that per week? I'm so bad at math.
1: A day, like three grand a day.
0: Three grand a day
1: between ten people.
0: It's like pocket change, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) I hope we're gonna find out. I'll let you know on March fifth or April fifth. Awesome. And it's a blind one too, so you don't even know how much everybody else is raising. You don't know what place you're in until
0: until the very end. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, good luck with everything. Let's see. Let's pimp yourself out. Where can listeners find you if they have additional questions? Because I'm sure they will just by hearing your story. And um, and so tell us where we can where we can connect um, with you.
1: My Instagram handle is Danny underscore Marie, but the I is a one. So D A N I underscore M A R one E, and then on. I just have Facebook and Instagram. My daughter calls me old for having Facebook. (laughs) Um, Oh no.
0: Are we old for having Facebook?
1: Yes. I'm like, really? Cause I thought I was doing pretty well on Facebook and she's like, yeah, for she just, she, she humbles me often. She's 12
0: now. (laughs) Oh gosh.
1: Um, And then on Facebook, it's just my first and last name, D-A-N-I and then A-Y-L-S-W-O-R-T-H. And then my website is up and running and that's at youareworthtrying.com. And that's, um, the website's still a work in progress. I just finished a bunch of courses on teachable that I need to upload. And then I have, um, package options for the coaching too, that I need to tighten up a little bit, but I'm in business. We're here to serve. We can do it together.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time, Danny. It was a pleasure to have you. i hope i didn't talk
1: too fast i get so excited
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i think you are great
1: thank you for letting me come on i just adore you and i am so proud of you too i am forever rooting you on oh thank you
0: (laughs) wow i don't know about you guys but i am just leaving this interview with danny and i have goosebumps there was so much that we unpacked in this episode And I cannot wait to hear back from you guys. So if you have questions, please feel free to write in the comments, email me. My email is devbriz. that's D-E-V-B-R-Z at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. If you have questions or want to be featured on the next episode as a survivor yourself, please let me know. Please like, review, rate this podcast so we can help as many heart disease survivors as we possibly can. With heart, this is Devin.